Hello, 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 hello. Good evening, everybody, and welcome. How are you all feeling? Excellent. Some of you are trying to kill me to get into this room, so I know you're, you're ready to be here today. Um, on behalf of Kelechi, I welcome you all. Um, we are really looking forward to tonight. I know I am. Um, so I'd like to introduce to you someone to start off our evening. Her name is Hodan. She is a poet, she is a writer, and she's going to bless us with some poetry. So, Hodan, thank you. Hi. Can you all hear me at the back? Everyone at the back, wave if you can hear me. Jenny, you can hear me? Yes. Okay. I'm so nervous, guys, honestly, and it's such an honor to be here and, and, op no, and open for, like, SYM and Kelechi of all people. So, yeah, it's, it's incredible to be here. Um, I'm going to share a poem that I wrote for Kelechi last year, when, in April 2017, when she was doing a fundraiser in the same building. Any of you who were here last year, give us a shout. Okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Woo, I was there. Um, and this is the poem that I wrote, and it was about a, a, a play that she was uh, directing, and this was the Bottle Up and Explode. That's what it was called. So, Questions black women are assailed with often, with... Full expectation will reply with words ameliorated, voices restrained and softened. I wish more people knew that no is a full sentence. Is that all your hair? Well, if it's on my head, it's mine, so yeah. Amen. <laughs> Whether it's Brazilian, Malaysian, Indian, my own keratin or synthetic, the rest is none of your business, Becky. And your questions are frankly tiresome and pathetic. If I tell you what it is, no doubt you'll soon want to copy, appropriate, and rebrand everything about me, while the originators see no coins or recognitions and all the accolades go to the fake renditions. Can I touch your hair? No. This is not a petting zoo. And the days of our people being displayed in your zoos are thankfully over, though long overdue. And I'll be damned if I give you permission for reruns after these closing hours, no. Do you speak African? No. I don't speak the near 2,000 languages of the African continent. Why, do you speak European? What am I to expect from a people who speak Dutch on the southern tip of Africa and call that Afrikaan, which means African in Dutch? Name their racist people Afrikaners while installing apartheid on Africans. To steal land, food, dress, and name from us seems European tradition, heritage, and when accounted for these crimes, their white tears drown out our words and perpetuate the cycles of violence. Did you put honey on your potatoes? No, it's plantain. <laughs> when you say seasoning, no, it's plantain or plantain, plantain or plantain, I draw a line under the diaspora wars. <laughs> When you say seasoning, you mean just salt and pepper, right? No, not everything is just black and white. No is a full sentence. Why are you so aggressive? Why are you so oppressive? Not every day appease, not every day. Not every day, not every day appease and put up and shut up and smile and wave, morning sharing, hello Dave. Most days I'm navigating through my life and my daily fears. Busy wiping my own tears, I have no time for the white variety. Smiling in the face of gatekeepers of a society that excludes the very people on whose backs it was literally built. 
whose children were stolen in chains, resources robbed, blood spilt, and you want me to adjust my voice to soothe your guilt? Along with all this in the outside world, we have to contend with what happens when we close the doors to our homes and deal with men who fed from the toxic bowls of toxic masculinities, raised and affirmed to believe many a dangerous thing, an ordained villainy. This is the life of the black woman bottled up for so long, I'll implode or explode. Some days I implode and you catch me crying alone, sitting catatonic, afraid of how to move on. And some days I explode and you'll see me let rip for the smallest infraction. But what you're witnessing is in fact a delayed reaction for generational trauma and all the things we've discussed. Our bellies are full of fatigue and disgust for how our humanity has been debased and our contribution systematically erased, bottle up and all exposed, so it's time to let the genies out one by one. Look at those demons dead in the eye. People tried to steal my joy and they took it. For years they took it, burgled my temple and took my possessions, took my joy and stole my happiness. The worst part was I didn't even know they'd taken it. I didn't know I'd been robbed of a right I never knew I had, but when I knew I couldn't unlearn what I now knew was mine and taken. So I fought to get it back, reported it stolen, privately investigated where my joy had got to and who the hell had taken it. Now I'm finding myself, my joy, my healing and my journey and sometimes it's great food. It's kadahkare Somali rice, jollof stew, plantain, plantain, always fried, always fried, semi-diagonally sliced, warm off the pan, overripe, sweet and soul nourishing. Sometimes, sometimes it's music awakening my senses. Sometimes my joy is in books by Mama Maya Angelou telling me some truths I need to hear. Auntie Toni Morrison, Uncle James Baldwin, Uncle Jalaluddin Rumi, Sister Warsan Shire, Sister Edwidge Dandekat Ulibere. Are you free? Sometimes my joy is a trip to a Marrakesh market or Peckham or East Ham High Street, a walk on a Berbera beach. Sometimes, sometimes there are those who can't stand my joy. Some who say so with their troll accounts, eggs spewing hate. Some say it with their chest emboldened by drink and contempt. And some say it with parcels from Bratislava, the finest grade horseshit manure money can buy. I'll grow the finest tulips. Because black girl magic cannot be silenced until their maker wishes it. Until then, our joy is ours to own, cultivate, protect, and to share with whomever we choose. Are you free? Bottle up, implosion, explosion, reclamation, restoration of joy, of self. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. That was. That was, that was that one, and you know the background to this one. The second one is a poem I wrote a year ago for the International Women's Day. And I wrote half of that poem, just put it to the side, shared it, and left it. And then somebody contacted me and said they were organizing an event in Parliament. Um, could you come and read something about International Women's Day? And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll find that poem. But since it's in Parliament, and then they said it's in Thatcher Room, and I couldn't resist but add to the poem. And, and there is a line in there that is inspired by Kalechi and that, this podcast in particular, and see if you spot it. <laughs> and I got to read this in Parliament. It was a great joy to be able to tell Theresa May and, and, her, pre and her predecessor what to do. Um, every day is Women's Day. Every day is Women's Day. I wake up and deal with my Woman's Day. Glass ceilings and jeering day. Snap dreams and leering day. Every day is Women's Day. Going to her rape hearing day, reliving through it all again day, no one will believe her day. Hashtags, me too, and time's up day. Every day is Women's Day. 
her colleague earns more than her day, expected to raise the kids' day, explain the gaps in her CV day, and put up with the setbacks in her career day. Every day is her woman's day. Judge for her appearance day. Thighs too fat day. Skin too dark day. Lips too thick day. Hair too kinky day. Voice too aggressive day. HR wasn't built for her day. Fit into that box day. Every day is women's day. Fight for her rights day, but take a moment to breathe day. Celebrate with her sister's day. Today is I'm a woman day. Today is remember we exist day. Remember we have rights day. Remember we have voices day and a reminder that we will use them day. Every day is women's day. Every day is women's day. I wake up and deal with my woman's day. There's a special place in hell for women who let other women burn like in the fires and horrors of Grenfell. In the richest... In the richest borough, the cladding and the buck passing continue, but few of those bucks reach the hands that lost loved ones and dwellings, homes and belongings, and the death toll shrinks as if those who died come back from the dead and wipe the ink from the toll. In the words of Michael Iquaja Amario Jr., did you think we forgot about them as well? There's a special place in history for women who snatch the ladder from under other women when they have climbed to a place of safety, and the milk from the mouths of their babes as well. Every day is Women's Day. Every day is Women's Day. I wake up and deal with my Women's Day. A special place in memory for women who detain other women indefinitely in Jarlswood and others too many to name. A special place for those whose austerity measures messes with those in need, condemning those marginalized and disabled to lives of destitution or early graves. If you are that woman, draw a short straw and imbibe the canal from whence you came. <laughs> Every day is Women's Day. Every day is Women's Day. I wake up and deal with my Women's Day. So while we can all wave our congratulatory flags and pat ourselves on all our backs, we need to ask if all other women are also free. It's been a whole centenary since women won the vote, we're told, without taking apart who here was meant by women. Every day is Women's Day. Every day is Women's Day. I wake up and deal with my Women's Day. Who here is humanized in that sentence and whose struggles were honored and whose plights were forgotten and erased? It's important to remember that many of the men and women we honor today stood on the other side of what society practiced then. The Pankhurst who they honor fought against an injustice. The Dr. King and the two Mandelas who we rewrite today were considered dangerous people in their times. So out here in intersectional land, I too have a dream for all women to be treated equal because every day is Women's Day. Every day is Women's Day. Wake up and deal with my Women's Day. Thank you. So one more time for Hodan. That was great. That was awesome. Very, very nice. So guys, um, I'm aware there are a couple of people who have ordered food and literally before I invite Kalechi up, I'm giving everyone a two minute window. There's people outside with some food for you. If you did order, if you pop round really quickly, um, just to the back by the where you ordered and um, I'll give you like a minute warning to so you can get back in, but just because when it starts, I'd like it to kind of flow. Um, so we have, in about four minutes, I will introduce to you the lady of the hour. So be patient with me. I'll be right back. <laughs> so I would like to... 
someone, oh, cutting out, um, someone I met almost a year ago, actually, when I first met Kalechi. And she has been inspirational the entire time in increasing my personal confidence in myself, in discussing deep-seated issues that you wouldn't think in meeting a stranger they would be able to um, explain in the exact same way that you've been feeling it the entire time. I think she's a unique talent. I think she's a wonderful blessing. And I would like to welcome her onto stage today, Kalechi Okafor. <laughs> Baby girl, you need to hear this Come sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea We are go sipping here Hard time scrolling for your long trots You might learn something I never know Collect you find And she's one of a kind Don't say mine, say mine Because I haven't had my laser appointment, so I just. <laughs> so, um, hello. Hi. 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 <clears throat> Get ready. <laughs> Get ready. So <clears throat> you can all join me. I'm just a baby girl in a baby world. Well done. Yes, so um, I'm really happy to be here. Very, very happy to be here. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. They're old. They're from like 2009, but but, but yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Kalechi Okafor. Yeah, very happy to be here. First live show of SYM, yeah, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? Say your mind. Yeah! <laughs> it's so great to hear that in person, we'll just do that one more time. So welcome to SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you all. That energy, energy. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so we're going to get started then. Um, thank you all for coming. I really, really appreciate this. I didn't think that it would be like full and all of you wonderful people would be here. Um, it makes a real difference. I'm going to shift myself. Um, it makes a real difference to have you all here. So thank you so, so much for supporting me. Thank you for listening every week and giving me feedback. Um, it's been wonderful. It's just, this is great. And I actually thought to myself that I might not do a December one. So I, I, I'm still deciding. I feel like <laughs> I should probably close it out. But just in case I don't do one, this was great enough for me to have you all here. So that's great. Um, so yeah, let me get into it then. So first things first, let's start with um, the tarot. <laughs> so the tarot has been really interesting because I go, I say week after week that I feel like the tarot drags me and then it seems to like translate to everybody else. Um, so we'll get started then. Um, 
So this week, the tarot card that we got was, um, let me just readjust my life. Fucking hell. <laughs> um, the tarot card that we got this week was the lover. So if you can see her, she's not wearing any clots. <laughs> so, um, so she's just there singing to herself naked. Her bush is flourishing. I'm so proud of her. Um, and just chilling. I feel like her pose reminds me of um, the Empress pose in the traditional Rider Waite deck. So this is what it says of the lover, which I think is extremely interesting. Um, so the lover, you are feeling fully alive in your body and spirit. On the waking path, you're passionate. On the sleeping path, you abuse yourself and others. It says, lover has an open heart. The nature of your love is not a thing projected out onto anything, but rather love is your nature. It is you. You hold life sacred. Your affection is highly respected for its tenderness and loving kindness. You honor every moment of life as a precious opportunity to experience the deep sensations of being fully alive. People often marvel at your ability to be passionate about things others would find mundane. You love the simple things in life. In the realm of wellness, your modeling of love helps those of us who find it difficult to embrace others, especially those who are different than ourselves. On your waking path, love comes through you as abundantly and readily that people want to possess it and you. This warm feeling that you bring can often be misunderstood and misinterpreted as a sexual advance. People do not realize your sensuality is used to communicate what you are feeling, whether it's sadness, happiness, or needing attention. This can be confusing to people who cannot distinguish the difference between your desire for sex and the sensual sensitive nature of the way you relate to people and the world. Sensuality is cherishing what the body senses through smell, taste, touch, sight, and hearing. Being sexual is quite a different matter. For example, although the rush of an ocean wave across your toes may stimulate a sexual desire, the pleasure of the water alone is sensual. Check to see if you may have some concern about portraying yourself or being perceived by others as too sexual or too affectionate. How do we remain passionate and alive? When the sensual and the sexual energies are confused, we may become subject to unsacred zones of abuse. The unsacred zones disconnect us from the enjoyment of life. You must be cautious and able to set strong boundaries with a nature such as yours. On the sleeping path, you may be out of touch with the source of your love and begin to misuse your lover quality to manipulate things and people for your own agenda. You may see your sensuality as limited to sex and feel that that's all you have to offer, especially if you feel that it will make you more attractive. A misuse of your love and nature by yourself or others impacts the spirit in a way that leaves you uncertain about sex, love and intimacy. Eventually, the soul is deflated in the misuse and the abuse. Your beauty is condensed into a limited box of the love that is dependent on others. You may become subject to more abuse in this condition. Remember, your sexual energy is beautiful and it is precious. Your soul revival entails awakening the sensory awareness in every part of your life by doing what you love and by doing what you love to do. Get hungry for your life. The lover's passion can revive your soul when your energy is on the path of true love. Your electric energy is both creative and spiritual and can be used beyond satisfying the physical body. You are beautiful, erotic, passionate, and much, much more. So that's what it says about the lover card. So I don't know if that resonates with 
um, anybody. But I remember reading that and it made me think of myself, um, made me think of myself at uni because I'm someone that finds that I'm very like um, affectionate and I'm, I flirt with women and men and it's not even a, it's not even a thing. I, I, to me, it's a language almost. And it's about being endearing and really making the person feel alive and everything else. Only for me to discover that later on, I actually know people really take that the wrong way. Um, so <laughs> when their face is close to yours and you're like, no. <laughs> so, so yeah, I had to kind of think about how I channel it. So I've been very, very cautious now about those things so the people who are closest to me I can still have that energy with them you know I'm always joking around with them but people who aren't I realize that there has to be boundaries and I think a lot of us have to like have those boundaries because people are wild they don't understand like they feel like everything exists in the extremes you're either like blowing their back out or you're in a friend zone you can't just exist somewhere in between where you're just cool like it's not not every day not everyday extremities let's just keep it cool and in the middle um so yeah that was the lover card and so then I pulled cards from the rider weight deck the traditional deck and the first card that came up I was saying you know when I was shuffling the deck I was like oh, I want a message for the collective I want a message for the collective now this is the one that I felt was just like no bitch we're going to talk about you <laughs> so, <laughs> so the first card that came up was the ten of swords I don't know if you can see all the way back there probably not but I'll describe it to you so the ten of swords we see a figure face down and um, they've got 10 swords in their back and they're just out, like whether they're dead, whatever. I mean, with 10 swords, I'd, I'd, I'd think you're dead. <laughs> Unless you're like 50 cent. But, 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 um, um, so 10 swords in the back and people usually see this and they're like, oh my God, death, you, you're dead. No, this is exhaustion. This is like tiredness, like the the... If you can, if you can get to that point where everything just like shuts down, breaks down, that is it. This is what the Ten of Swords is. This is like you, you're not getting back up from here. And so, the Ten of Swords came up, and yeah, that's what it pretty much signifies. Signifies exhaustion, and it's interesting that the swords are in the back because it's like what you weren't expecting, and then that's what took you out. It wasn't something that you saw coming head on it came from um, came from behind so the ten of swords came out and I was like yeah boom I know mm -hmm. exhausted is not the word um it's more than but it tells a story because um if you've listened to the podcast you would have listened to some of the episodes where I talk about being the queen of swords and that it always comes up for me and it's a very Libra card and it very it comes up for me often so when I was just like oh this is a message for the collective we're all so so tired and the card was like no 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 bitch I told you, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Stop trying it. It's you. So, so when it came up, I was like, oh, okay, go on then. So um, Ten of Swords came up exhausted, absolutely exhausted. But when it came up with the Queen of Swords, like the subject being the subject of the story that's been told in the tarot, it's pretty much saying, yeah, but you still, you still got this. You still got this. Um, the sword is in her left hand in a very daring manner, like I'm, try me, ho. So, so very regal and I talk about whenever I talk about the queen of swords I say she works from a place of mourning um she finds strength and she's able to change 
the energy of that morning into creating and to giving birth to something new. So I, um, and for the fact that it was the 10 of swords that came out and this says, yeah, you're exhausted in a mental sense, like you're super exhausted, but don't forget that you still came out of it and you still came out of it literally swinging with that sword. And, um, and that's important. And the reason it's important is because the third card that came out was a major arcana card. So these cards are like the minor arcana, so like day-to-day things that they're pretty much speaking to or day-to-day energies. But the major arcana is um, the world. And so what that's telling me is that that needed to happen because you're completing a stage in your life. So um, I put up a picture today on Instagram and I um, of one of the pictures that the uh, journalist took when she came to speak to me about the story and stuff and we're working on it, the photojournalist. And um, I put it up and I said, when people think that the fire will burn you, but they don't realise you're a phoenix. Ha <laughs> ha! So, um, so that's important because when I was doing my birth chart reading with Leona Nicole Black, but, but, she um, she said to me that, you know, when we're looking at the placement of the planets and, you know, in my chart and stuff, and she said that your energy is the phoenix. And I was like, oh God, can I have another energy? Like a rabbit. <laughs> and she was like, no, it's a phoenix. So you're going to do lots of dying and, re- and being reborn and that's important for you that that's how you work you work by dying and being reborn again like and um I was always saying that I'm a Libra I'm a Libra I'm a Libra but actually when we did my placements I'm a Scorpio I'm just a fake Libra to be honest soz soz everyone but Scorpios are very good at doing shadow work they're good at going away into the darkness and doing the work that they need to do to re-emerge and get shit done and they're also good at turning death into new beginnings um and they a good a Scorpio who's very much in touch with their Scorpio energy knows that every time there's every point in our life, there's a cycle of dying and being reborn and they go with it. If you resist it, you will just cry there. That is your personal problem. You will lay down there and you will go nowhere. But if you embrace it and understand that this is a stage that's ending, I need to move on to the next stage. So, um, this is what the world card was really telling me. The world card was saying that it's almost like an initiation. And Tatiana Tarot was actually speaking about it as well, that it's an initiation into moving into something else. Because while um, everything was happening, I was just like, I just, it just feels so surreal, like like spiritually so that this isn't, this is something else. Something else is happening energetically and karmically, like I'm moving somewhere. And that's what this signified to me, that basically you're exhausted. I know that you're exhausted. That's all well and good because you really dealt with everybody well. And then (laughs) you showed them Pepe. Um, But you showed them Pepe because you're the queen of swords and they now know better. And it's because that needed to happen to round things up so everyone knows who the fuck you are and who the fuck they are and that you're moving up to other levels and by hoes. So So that's that for the tarot part. Now for... um, Shea Your Magnificence. So obviously the reason I had Hodan up here is because she's like my ultimate Shea Your Magnificence. Like I love her poetry. I love her like just... (laughs) And I think that that's what's beautiful to me that um, as sisters, as women, um, as people really, we should be able to communicate on a soul level um, whatever our religious beliefs are, whatever whatever we should be able to communicate on a soul level. And, And I... 
I'm someone that I like to explore and understand other people's belief systems and and what makes them tick and what makes them who they are. And our friendship has grown stronger and stronger because I've learned so much from Hodan. And it's just amazing. So I wanted her, you know, to open today because she's perfect and she's great. Uh, So my other share your magnificence is Georgina, aka at muse me, muse underscore me underscore art. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> so Georgina, because when I announced the affirmation cards, she said, "Oh my God, you need to have illustrations." And I was thinking about having illustrations for the affirmation cards, and she just was so excited about getting on board and doing the um, illustrations. So when you finally get the affirmation cards in October, they'll be illustrated by Georgina because she's wonderful. (laughs) And um, Mutulu Oblangata couldn't be here, but if the patrons will find in their goodie bags, there's um, Ibule Botanica, um, some smokable herbs, tea, loose leaf tea. And also in there, because she's officially sponsoring the show now, because I was always saying before, like, who would sponsor, who in their right mind would sponsor (laughs) this show? And she approached me the other day when she brought the goodies for the, um, for the goodie bags. And she said, "Um, I'd like to officially sponsor the show. And I thought, of course, of course, it's the people who listen, who get it and do things. So, um, so she um, provided all of these bits for today. And she also provided um, a Yoni steam, so for those who don't know what a yoni steam is if you don't have a yoni don't worry um (laughs) so um you just put the um, herbs in hot water and if you've got um already got um the chair if you have the chair obviously you know what it is but if you don't you just want to get a towel wrapped around yourself and basically squat over the steam and it's good for like rejuvenating your panani (laughs) quaint it up yes (laughs) So yeah, it tones the muscles and that just um, rejuvenates it, gets the blood flow going. Not like you're going to be bleeding, but you know, just gets the blood flow going and just, um, just makes you fresher and lovelier from the inside. I don't mean fresher in terms of what other people say, but I just mean like you feel more alive from the inside. So I recommend Yoni Steams. And so you'd have little bags of that to mix in water and just squat over it. And it also improves your squat game. If your legs start trembling, step away from the bowl. <laughs> that that won't end well. <laughs> That'll be a yoni boil. So, <laughs> so avoid that. Um, and also big up Farida. So um, also known as um, Jam's Joints, Miss Jam's Joints. And she provided the lovely cake. I don't think you would have seen it yet, but she made a beautiful, beautiful cake for today. And she's just been so, so supportive. She always sends me messages. All of you, but I think pretty much everyone here sends me messages at some point going, keep going. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I'm going to fuck these bitches up. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so thank you. And then my... Obviously not last but not least. Last but not least, share your magnificence is all of you for being here and for supporting me and for like just encouraging my uncouth nature when I say wild things. <laughs> Even like the wildest statements that I make on that show, people are like, oh, that was the funniest bit. I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> how are you still watching what is wrong but yeah so thank you so so much I can't thank you enough I really really appreciate this and as I said on the podcast all of the um proceeds from today is actually going into making a sick affirmation deck 
for October. So that's going to come out on my birthday, 5th of October. And so you can like order that online and get your life. And I think you'll, you'll really like the affirmations because they're really, they're really out there, out there. So, <laughs> so you should really like them. And the illustrations are, yeah, <laughs> a lot. Um, so that's that. Thank you. Um, and then let's move on then to So You Mad. So You Mad. Um, so my first So You Mad um, starts with Frederick Joseph. He's um, a black man, from what I can see, black man who um, wore a T-shirt that said Caucasians on it. So if you know anything about what's happening in America, they've got the team, the Redskins, yeah? And um, people have told them over and over that this is racist as fuck, like get rid of, the, of that mascot. Um, no. <laughs> but how's that racist? You know, their skin's red. It's like, no, it's not. It's not. And you can, there are so many other things you can use for mascots. Why must you use actual people, marginalized people? Talking about the fact that you fucking slaughtered them when you, when you decided to, to go and take land that wasn't yours. Like you were talking about immigration. We're going to build a wall. Fuck you. The wall should have been built before you arrived because, <laughs> because you, <laughs> you were the one. You had the cheek to come and now give everybody smallpox. Ignore all the seasoning that was there. You ignored everything. Started adding peas to your guacamole. Just wanted to fuck up the base every which way. And then you talk shit. And then it's like, oh yeah, now let's build a wall. Yeah, build it. And then you just get onto the other side of it and go away. But it's just, it's the most insulting thing. I think, imagine that. Imagine seeing like the representation of your people on people's shirts. And they're like, go Redskins. Like, yeah, go off a cliff. Like it's, it's, it's wild. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. So anyway, Frederick Joseph was like, rah, mad ting. Okay. So he got a t-shirt and he ordered it and it's got a face of a white man to the side and he just says Caucasians, done. (laughs) My guy walked through the streets of New York and everybody wanted to swing for him. (laughs) They were walking up to him. A woman walked up to him and she was just like, that is so offensive. And he's like, why? She's like, not an answer why is it offensive because you said caucasian and i want to understand what problem white people have with being called white people especially since when we're talking about caucasian anyway that's i don't even know why we're applying that to all white people but that's for another day but um okay so we've decided that this is the collective term for you because you need to feel more powerful okay cool um you see on somebody's t-shirt and then you get upset but why she and she couldn't say and he was like okay so do you find um the um redskins do you find that offensive no and he he was like yeah but why she was like because that's a sports team and he was like oh so you're mad you're mad you are very you are very mad and so he kept on he was walking down the street kept on walking it three guys were together one guy had to hold two of the other guys back because they wanted to come fight because they were just like, oh, this is so offensive. How could you wear a T-shirt like that? This is so offensive. What is offensive about you? And the drawing was so simple. It almost looked like um, a picture of Julius Caesar. It was so simple, the actual image. So what, who, why, why, why are you so vexed? 
Oh, because you were referred to as a Caucasian. But it's funny because all marginalized communities, you can have them on your shirts and that's not a problem. Like all of these high fashion um, brands, as you want to call them, they'll have runway shows where they're having faces of people, moors on their on their shirts and or people um, um, from images of slavery. And they'll have all of that and they'll go, oh, yeah, it's haute couture. <laughs> so our images, that's fashionable that's lovely but when it's you now you're vexed and he just what I loved about him as well when he was talking um when he was being interviewed this Frederick Joseph he had on a t-shirt and it just said on it believe women and I said even in every t-shirt that you're wearing you're doing bids well done well done um but yeah it just it was really interesting to me because I just thought why is it okay one way? Obviously, we know why it's okay one way around and not the other way, but it's just how they never process that. Like, they don't ever sit back and go, rah, maybe I'm overreacting or maybe I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't do that to other people. No, they were just vexed because, and they didn't want him to wear the T-shirt and they wanted to, like, attack him and people were spitting at him and all sorts because it's so offensive to say Caucasian. And it's like, I think the the effrontery, as my mum would say, of the fact that it's a black man wearing that top. That No, no, the butt of the joke is on you. How could you be wearing a top that, that makes fun of me? But it doesn't even make fun of you. It just literally said Caucasian. So I just thought that, yeah, I just thought that that was extremely wild to how um, glaringly obvious the power dynamics are. And then when you point it out to people, they get so, so upset. Um, yeah, that's, that's yuck. Um, but um, that's not the end of the caucasity, obviously, um, because we have more caucasity in the form of people who were DMing Stormzy. Oh, yes. Talk about <laughs> so, I mean, congratulations to Stormzy. He should be a share your magnificence for doing something um, great. But at the same time, I just feel like, why is it? Um, someone, why is it an artist that's doing that? Why isn't it a governmental thing? Why is it an artist that's providing these things that you should be doing already? So for those who don't know, Stormzy um, has a scholarship, what's it called? The Murky Scholarship um, in affiliation with Cambridge University where he's going to sponsor two students from um, underprivileged backgrounds to go to university. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing and he will be blessed abundantly for doing something so wonderful. Um, so he does that. And obviously, I think it was a white guy that decides to jump in his mentions and say, bro, wow, like, what if someone did this for just white people? Wouldn't that be... So I feel like the spirit of Say Your Mind entered Stormzy because he said, bro, suck your mum. <laughs> his response in the email um, in the message he said no bro suck you I said Vim <laughs> that's right tell them because what I, I've talked about Stormzy on the show before and the, the entitlement that white listeners feel that they have to him like once you're making you're making your music you're doing your thing these young boys in their suburbs or wherever the fuck they live they'll buy your music and all of a sudden they think that they own you so then it's like, oh, I think when he said my black kings and my young black kings and 
queens or whatever, and they were like, what, what about white kings and queens? What if I said white king? <laughs> it's always the what if that always spins me. What if I said white kings and queens? Fucking say it then. <laughs> say it then. <laughs> but you know it's a lie. <laughs> so... <laughs> It gets to me because no one's stopping you. Like, literally, your mouth is yours. You deny it of seasoning all the time. You deny it of something. You do what you want with your mouth. It's your business. It's not my business. I don't care. I don't care. So for him to now be like, oh, um, yeah, what if someone made a scholarship for just white people? Fam, it is called the entire educational system. What are you talking about? Mad. Mad. Like... You have to have such a lack of understanding of institutional racism to turn around and go, what if, blah, blah, blah. Black, the reason we have to have something like that is because people aren't checking for black students. And the reason that they're kept out of these institutions is because they usually don't have the money to be able to go. But if we had half the chances that you have, look what's happening with the, with the opportunities we are getting. We are doing bits right so he's just doing something in order to provide opportunities and just some sort of leverage it will never be equal but just some leverage so we at least have a fucking chance and you now want to come and open your thin lips come and ask me <laughs> that, that was uncalled for i'm so sorry <laughs> I'm not sorry. Um, <laughs> so, but you now have the cheek, the audacity to now be like, well, if someone, go on, go on. But, and I didn't like the way that it was very subtle in some cases that the media framed the narrative of what he was doing. There was not like, it wasn't a well done Stormzy, well done. It was a Stormzy gives da 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 da, da to black students. Wanting, you, more, more time, you don't ever want to say black. You don't, but now today your throat is clear. <laughs> so, but, so you're, 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 yeah, the oh, it's absolutely wild. Um, so you now want to demand more of him that he should. Uh, one person tweeted, "Well, if you're going to do that, you should give one to some white students too." Where are you, man? Um, Abi, which one is your own? Um, Harry, Harry Styles. From, from many directions. <laughs> Abi, I want Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran is speaking sweet, Abi. Go and get your booze. Go and get your booze. Like, you have to... Um, Barlow, Abi, what's his name? Gary Barlow. You have an abundance of people that have money. Even Elton John. Man's there chasing candles in the wind. He could just come and sponsor the thing. Like, God, oh, you have so many people, but it's us that you now want to come and shook your head and say that, no, you have to be the one. To, I don't have to give you a motherfucking thing. Just you get that straight. Go to the people, your own people that can come and give you. And then someone now found... Um, uh, I think a media snippet where it said that, you know, um, white underprivileged 
um, boys, is it, were being sent to these schools for summer camp. They that they whispered that motherfucker into the news because I didn't hear anything about it. But you see, even if I had, I'd have been like, you know what? Do you? Do you? Because you're always saying that they're underperforming in schools. And were, and I said that in Think of the White Boys or whatever, that episode, like, you always want to make it out like the reason that they're struggling is because we're excelling. So if you want, give all of your resources then and do that because we're going to make it regardless. So just do what you're doing. That's fine. That's fine. Um, but I would see that and I'd be like, cool. You saw this and it was like, Stormzy, think of me. It, I, no, and what gets me about that is just um, how... Um, kind of limited it is you went what about the white students you didn't say um south asians east asian you didn't care about anybody else because you don't really care about anybody else you didn't go oh what about other people you just said no no what about white old me that's what you were talking about and i would give it to everybody else before i made it over to you because i know that not even from a place of being mean because i know that government to some extent will always support you i can't say that for everybody else so go away and i'm glad that Stormzy dealt with it with that energy, like go and sit the fuck down. What I didn't like about it is that when it was tweeted that, you know, Stormzy's doing this, someone quote tweeted it and said, Kelechi could never. (laughs) And I just thought, are you not tired? Are you not tired? I feel like Theresa May could jump, like just jump out and be like, you know what? I've decided, um, I've decided to resign. It'll be like, yeah, Kelechi, see what you did. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, thanks. Actually, I'll claim that one. Thank you so much. But it's to me, it's so you have to be very, very unwell that someone has done something great and then you still found a way to put my own name in it. Kelechi could never. Do I have Stormzy money? I mean, my boots are still fitting me. So when they become too big, you could come and chat to me. Fuck, fuck off. I'm doing, you know, twerk signs and prayer. I'm keeping my own calm. Like, go away. But I just read that and I thought, wow, people are very mad. You know, like the the extremities of madness where you've swallowed the madness and no Heimlich maneuver will get it out of you. Like, you're mad. You're mad. But I thought, when it's my time, God willing, you'll see what I will do. But you just shut the fuck up. But um, yeah, that's. That blew my mind. But big up Stormzy for doing that. And big up Stormzy for having the energy to say, no, you, you suck at thy mother. <laughs> because I feel like sometimes celebrities get to a certain level and they're like, oh, I can't say these things. I can't. No, no, no. You have to keep the same energy. This is, I feel like that's the major key in a lot of these situations. We feel like we need to change when we get somewhere. No, if you show them that all the time that you're consistent with that motherfucking energy, they will know not to test you later on because you'll be like, I, I was always this way. Well, are you surprised? Because I ain't. You know, so I think that the fact that he's doing that helps a lot. I don't know too much and I was going to touch on it, but I won't. I don't know too much about the gigs and um, ZZ situation, but I didn't like the bits that I did catch on to. I just think like it's very, very dangerous to keep turning to black women whenever they try to be vocal about anything and instantly go, you're bitter. It's that word bitter that really, really bothers me. And it's how it's so quick off people's tongues that it's a problem. Like you don't call white women bitter. I rarely hear it when, but, but you're throwing it in this um, narrative and I feel like there was some truth 
to the fact that if I, as a black woman, wanted to set up my talk show, whatever, in a chicken shop, that would be expected of me. And everyone would be tweeting at me going, ghetto bitch. Why couldn't you go and get a nice studio? This is what I mean. I'm tired of our stories being told like this. But that's interesting that every time you can take things from cultures and transpose it into whiteness and it's a thing and it's quirky and they obviously become more socioeconomically robust for it in a way that we could never. And the fact that we are almost filling, we're we're providing, we're providing the people for it. We're providing the fodder in that black artist are going onto that show and and making it, you're legitimizing it by being on it. Because if all of you said, nah, actually, I think it's washed. I'm not going on. Then then it would be put to the side. But the fact is you are going. And so therefore you're upholding that structure that this will always remain better than anything that we do. And I feel like from what I saw of what she was saying, it was pretty much alluding to that. So I don't know what was so bitter about that. It's, it's just a genuine observation. I feel that if a white lady was doing Say Your Mind, blow. It would blow. It would absolutely blow. Oh my God, she's conscious of her white privilege and she says swear words. Right. Right. A a white lady having a twerk and pole dance studio, doing what she loves, promoting this, promoting that. (gasps) Revolutionary. Um, But when it's a black woman, it's like, yeah, okay. Well done. So I I just think that those things are a bit um, unfair. And I would like for um, a black woman to have a talk show talking about music that is extremely popular and people, black artists are actually proud to go onto it rather than their PR or their music um, um, companies going, a record company saying to them, oh, actually, um, no, because we don't want you to be too black. Like, because that's the thing, you can be too black um, um, by being associated with other people. And that's actually what led me to go um, and watch previous episodes of Little Miss Jocelyn. I was just watching them the other day. I love her. Somebody let Jocelyn Essien know that I love her and I am willing to be in any program with her. She's such a baby girl. But I was watching it back and thinking she was so ahead. Um, and that that uh, character, the one in the office, she... I've met so many people like that when I go into office spaces because we've been conditioned to believe that there can only be one of us in the office environment that's black. So another person rocks up and they're black to you and you're like, oh! don't talk to me don't talk to me because i have managed to let these motherfuckers know that i i'm not black and i'm far away from it and then you come along and now they're gonna think that i'm black fuck (laughs) because they didn't know before so i i I really think that that's the social commentary that is needed because i would go into places as a temp and i'm i remember one place in particular really high end and the lady would answer the phone She'd be like, hello, Audrey speaking, headquarters. I can't fucking stand these people, you know. Every time I've got to speak to them on the phone, I can't fucking. (laughs) She had hot sauce in a drawer. And I just thought, you are really playing this game. You are really, really playing this game. She's like, yeah, you know, you've got to make them feel comfortable. One moment, please. You've really got to make them feel comfortable. And I thought, you know what? I I appreciate it. I appreciate that how you're able to, you know, yeah, that's it. And, and, and I think we need to talk more about code switching. 
code switching, um, code switching, even in terms of someone sent me an email ages ago about um, black women and what they wear in the workplace. And I thought that that was really interesting because um, you will be shaped a particular way, let's say, and you'll wear the same standard Zara dress that um, um, Penelope's wearing. (laughs) And for some reason, wow, God, got to close my eyes. (laughs) You're going somewhere special after this. Like, no, I'm literally wearing the same dress that homegirl is wearing. Wow. <laughs> Didn't notice. It just looks so different. <laughs> right. You're just like, what? Like, how? How? But I understand. And, and it's a, it goes back to what that lady, I can't remember her name. Please forgive me. The news anchor, the black woman um, in America. And people kept writing in, complaining about what she was wearing. And she was pretty much just wearing work dresses. But because she was curvy, they had some issues with it. Oh, can she just cover up? Fam, how? What what more do you want her to wear? And so even if she could wear more, she doesn't want to. So fuck you. And she she was like, in fact, I even wear extra. I even now, the plunge was plunge before. Now it'd be waterfall. Watch. (laughs) (laughs) So... I'm glad that she kept that energy because you're you're fucking trying it. You can't police what black women wear in the workplace, but they try to do it so, so often. So I think that that means that then black women go to work and they're extra conservative um, because they feel that they need to be where everyone else, bare arms on show, bare legs on show. It's not an issue. Bare tight dresses. And I feel like, yeah, wear that. I'm happy for you. But I should also be able to wear that without having people whispering to HR that I'm coming in really provocatively. Like... That's just mad. Anyway, let's move on then to um, straw of the week, aka. That's it. Well done. That's that's right. So my straw of the week goes to Dr. Jeffrey Epstein. I would call it Epstein, but I know that Americans don't like to pronounce E I. But Epstein. Um, So um, he was at um, Orlando Airport. And he was moving mad. So, (laughs) Dr. Jeffrey Epstein um, is a physician from Lakeland, Florida. And he was caught in a viral video yelling at police officers at an Orlando airport before he was arrested. Um, He says in the video... Help! <laughs> they didn't literally, they didn't write that. Help! Can you all see? Can you all see they're treating me like a fucking black person? I was like, okay. That is wonderful. Wonderful. So, um... The recording shows Dr. Jeffrey Epstein, 59, a geriatric physician, um, scuffling with police, scuffling with the police. Homeboy is allowed to scuffle with the police. They're allowed to do wiggity bagada together. Like they're, they're, they're allowed to go. They're allowed to go toe to toe. A black man can go to reach for his ID and it's training day. So that's, 
interesting to me. So, um, Mr. Uh, Dr. Epstein was scuffling with the um, um, officers who were called because he was arguing with American Airlines employees who had reported him for disorderly behavior. So I feel like if Dr. Epstein was, I don't know, um, Jamal, um, from when he was arguing on the plane, is where he would have died. Like you would not have made it wherever else you know, or wherever you were. You wouldn't have made it anywhere else. They would have dealt with you right there or wherever it happened. Um, on site, they wouldn't even have asked any questions. They would have just rolled up, seen him and been like, you know what? You're dead. Um, but this one was allowed to argue. He was, what made me laugh was that he was really trying to do half Wakanda <laughs> the whole time. When they were trying to grab him, he was like, no. No! <laughs> and they had to tackle him to the ground. And I thought, this looks wonderful. All of the not dying that you're doing is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. And he said, um, so they said, um, according to police report, uh, he, they found him at the ticket counter where he began yelling that police had come to arrest him when Epstein was informed that he lost his flying privileges due to his behavior. Okay, so he hadn't made it onto the plane. He went on a rant captured on a video um, and it was tweeted. As the police um, escorted him from the line, the doctor then removed his backpack, threw his hands in the air and told officers to make an arrest. He's a law enforcement officer and he's trying to provoke me. Um, Epstein says to the officer on the footage, do you know how to de-escalate things? Genius. Do you have training? Genius. Do you want to test me? My guy is drawing out the police officers. Like, do, he said, do you want to test me? As if he's GCSEs. He's, he's, he's saying, do. And he's able to say this and he's still standing at this point. He's still standing at this point. Um, three officers moved in to restrain Epstein and he's tackled to the ground while screaming, don't beat me up, you motherfuckers. <laughs> and then he said, they're treating, treating me like a fucking black person. Epstein was handcuffed and charged with battery on the law enforcement officer, resisting an officer with violence. All these that other people have done and have died. Um, um, trespassing on a property after a warning and disorderly conduct. Um, he was medically treated after complaining of chest pains. Funny because certain man said, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And you continued with your chokehold, but okay. Um, he said, it says here, um, and he was, and also told an officer that he created a very big disturbance and he did it on purpose. That's what he said with his own chest that was hurting. Um, <laughs> Cannabis was also found in Epstein's pocket. So if we want to do police brutality bingo, someone would have died. Like someone would already yell bingo like ages ago. From, from the first sentence, he was standing, boom, dead, done. But he carried on and he had cannabis in his possession. And wasn't that makeup artist girl she was put in jail for having um, two grams or something. And they put her in jail for that. Um, but he had it on his persons and he was, that was fine. Um, he said here um, that his behavior was to prove a point <laughs> about forceful police tactics. 
if you're going to do this to a white doctor who's 59 years old for doing nothing, then why would black people trust you? He told, he told the news station. He then went on to say, I'm a conservative Republican. I'm a Trump guy. But until the police fix this problem, I don't blame black people for being upset when they get arrested. (laughs) I'm upset when my Wi-Fi signal is acting up. I'm upset. Police brutality is not something that upsets me. Like, you're, even by you trying to describe it, I know that you're a fucking idiot. Just shut your mouth. Nobody asked you. And then he says, I was no danger. I was being loud because I wanted everyone to see. I wanted everything to be out in the open. Big companies have to take care of their customers. And when they call the cops in, they got to de-escalate, not escalate. So basically, he was saying that um, Apple Care told me <laughs> that I can move mad with American Airlines and nothing will happen. But whoever was at that counter said, bitch, if I'm going to call police on black people, I'm going to call police on your ass too. And I'm glad. Keep the energy for everybody. And so it, you now um, come across and you say, oh, you're of no danger, all of this, all of this. It's funny how people always remember black people when it's time to draw parallels that don't exist, by the way. The parallels actually don't exist, but okay, go for your life. So you're an older guy and you're saying that this is why black people don't trust the police. Don't speak for us, shut your fucking mouth and focus on the geriatrics that you should be looking after. No one fucking asked you. (laughs) So... um, Black people don't trust the police. Then you go on to say, um, yes, if they can do this to me, no wonder black people are upset. That has nothing to do with anything, with anything whatsoever. It's, it's just interesting that now he's trying to make a cause out of it. But you told on your motherfucking self when you said that I'm a Republican... I'm a Trump guy. So that means you never cared about anybody else until now. You thought that all of those things were going to insulate you from the fuckeries. But what actually happened was, no, it's not. not, None of that is. And because you've now realized that, you now want to do wild, wild things. And I'm so tired of all of these people that keep coming forward and going, (laughs) I voted for Trump because I wanted to make America great again. It's not great. (laughs) Well, I could have fucking told you that before you voted. I could have told you that, but you didn't want to hear words because the hatred in your heart was so much so that you wanted to really go there. And this is a message. And this is one that I think transcends even those fucking Trump supporters in that when you are doing things with hatred in your heart, it's only you that you will do. When you think you're playing me, you're only playing yourself. And, and that's it. And you know, when you think you're doing me, you're playing me, you're only playing yourself. And when you do clownery, that's it. That's it. And this is now the clown biting. And now everyone's crying. Don't fucking cry because this is what you asked for. In Trump's America, anybody can get it. And that's what you're getting now. So I like that energy. If there's one thing that I like about Trump, it's that energy that any fucking body can get it. Oh, you thought I was going <coughs> to... No. 
<laughs> so, so I appreciate that about him, if nothing else. So obviously my straw of the week goes to Jeffrey, um, Epstein, Pussy Clark, all of the things there from Orlando who thought that he could now convolute the experiences and the struggles of black people to fit his agenda because he got dragged up one time by the police, um, but still stayed alive. Yeah, no BGs. Anyway, um, that is it. So that's my straw of the week. Now we're going to move to Q&A. Yes, if you've got any questions, any burning sensations, go and see a doctor. Um, so so um, raise your hand. Crystal's got the mic for you. I'll start. Okay. Yeah. So um, what do you think right now is a major issue facing black women under the age of 25, actually, the younger, the people that they view as younger, but a big issue for them, like in terms of something that you think is affecting the way that they either view life, how they see themselves, because I think that actually that that section is more affected by a lot more that goes on in the media. For example, all the stuff that happened in Camberwell the other day where there were like four stabbings in the in the middle of the daytime so clearly there's something that they're being exposed to that perhaps we weren't when we were their age so what do you think it could be i don't know i feel like um i can only speak for me but i think like around that age i was exposed to similar um and it's traumatic it is traumatic to see people who were there today gone tomorrow because of the choices that they made. And I don't know the people that died in this situation, whether it was their choice or whatever happened, but it's the finding yourself in a, in a particular environment and being a victim of that environment and then being um, a girl or a woman, young woman who's a bystander and just understanding the dangers that there are in just existing in the society. And I speak to my brothers about it all the time because it's stressful, I feel, as a black woman who knows black men because every time you're just wondering if they'll be okay, they can go and do the most mundane things and you just worry. Like my brother can go to the shop and I'm worried. Or they can say that they're going on holiday and I'm worried. And I remember a specific incident when, um, I think it was when we went to Venice for the first time um, and Marchin proposed. We, um, so probably like, three, yeah, three years ago. Um, we're there having this wonderful time and I get a call from my brother. He went to Spain. He was going to go and live his best life. And he rented um, a car. So he rented a car and he went to go and pick it up. But you know that some of these companies, these rental companies, they want you to have a credit card, not a debit card. But he thought it was going to be okay that he, would, he just had the debit card. So they're going back and forth um, about this um, issue now. He doesn't even know when the person at the till had already called the police. And the person at the till was the one that tried to swing for him. My brother was just trying to talk to him. And he was like, fucking black, get away. So already things are looking a bit wild. And he was with his friend at the time. She went as well. Um, They traveled together. And the police arrived. Didn't want to hear any words. My brother was trying to say, like, I didn't do anything. Literally everybody in the queue was even saying he didn't do anything. It was the guy that, no, they dragged my brother, pushed his head to the ground. Um, His friend that he he was with, she was trying to take pictures and make video footage of what was going on. And they dragged her up and, like, dragged her by her hair and all sorts. They're lucky it stayed on. Um, Sorry. Sorry. Um, So they're dragging her. They both end up in jail. So they took them to jail in Spain when they just arrived for their holiday. And um, when she got her camera back, 
they had deleted everything and they ch- the language had changed to Spanish on the camera and they deleted everything off the camera and um, they had to go to court while there as well. And I just thought, but he just wanted to go on holiday. So, and I think they managed to sort that out in the end, he had to, I think he had to go back or something. They wanted him to come back and his lawyer was just like, no, ignore them. But I don't know if that was a smart thing to tell him to do. So like, just to ignore them, I, I don't really know. But um, that was the scariest moment for me. Like I'm, that it could happen at any time. They just want to go and have fun and live their life the way that other people are living their lives. And then they end up in jail for just wanting to figure out how they could still get a rental car um, over a debit or a credit or whatever. But that's scary to me. And I think that as um, young black women, if you're around that, not even to say that we're going to be talking about our experiences of young black women and center it around black men. But what I'm saying is that the trauma is everywhere. It's, you have your trauma and you're taking on other people's trauma um, as well. The, the men around you, you're taking on their trauma as well. And I think that it's a lot. And these young women are doing amazing things. They're prospering and um when I look at my insights and I see the kind of people following me, I know that a lot of women of that age range follow me. So I try to be very clear with what I'm saying in that I know that the pressures are going to be a lot, but you have to keep going. So I, the best things for me was when I get messages from them saying, you know, um, I finished uni, I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I started watching your stuff and I just feel more confident that I can do what I want and no one can chat to me. So good, like keep that same energy and obviously look after your mental health and just take care of yourself. And I think that's it because I can't speak for them, but just from what I see, I feel like that's what I would have experienced. But yeah, yes. Oh, over there. Hi. Hi. Um, I wanted to ask, um, when it comes to code switching, yeah. do you feel like it's a way to dilute oneself or do you feel like it's a, just a way to adapt in an environment? I feel that um, it comes down to your personal um, goals and what your personal mission statement is. Because some people, I feel like they do it and they don't really need to. Like the, in some environments, I think that you can get away with not doing it, but they do it anyway. So I wonder why maybe we've just been so conditioned to doing it. I thought it was interesting when we're even talking about the whole, like, for instance, bro, pro-black, can you be pro-black in this? Can you be pro-black in that? And all the people that were opening their crusty lips to say, <laughs> just opening their entire dry mouths to say, um, you can be this and you can be that, but you are still going in on Monday to answer to Gary, you dumb fuck like you're you're still going in to answer to somebody and you're increasing their wealth a white person's wealth most probably so have is that part of your agenda to increase white wealth is that part of the agenda no probably not so i think that when i think about even those people they don't even know what they're talking about i think you have to be very very aware of the environment that you find yourself in and check whether you truly need to be switching up things or whether you just, you're so, you're doing it innately now. You just, you just do it because you have to, um, or you, you feel that you have to. Um, most times though, I think people do it as a means of survival. We can't be our full selves, um, 
while we're in the parameters of the white gaze, we can't. Some guy was speaking to me the other day. He wanted me to do a video for um, a new thing that's coming out after reading my piece um, for the BBC. And he kept going on and on about a specific subject. Like, I really want to speak to you about interracial data. And I was like, I don't want to fucking speak about it. I don't care. I don't care about it. Oh, but I really want to no, know. I don't care about it. Oh, um, um, you just seem a bit stressed out. No. Not stressed, just don't care. That's that's just it. And I think that even that nonchalant, I don't care, don't want to know, was too much for him. He had to label it as something. So people can't be passionate about anything. If you're passionate, oh my God, she's coming across as aggressive. So people are going into work being shells, waiting. No wonder everyone's just like, Friday. And uh, then it gets to Sunday and they're like, oh God. Monday. So wait, so you're only happy for two days out of the week. So no wonder a lot of people are online moving mad because you're only happy two days out of the week. (laughs) So because, and that's what ultimately, I think that that's why when we look at things like Black Twitter and things like that, that there's so much happening on there because people aren't getting to be themselves anywhere else. So they're coming to these places and really... Um, kind of exhibiting all of this behavior and stuff because they need somewhere to get it out. But lo and behold, you're doing that on the white mainstream platform. And then they come, they take your content, um, they whitewash it and they sell it on and you're still broke as fuck and you still have to go to work and you hate Gary and HR. So um, code switching, I think that we have to do it as long as we need to do it in order to emancipate ourselves from it. Um, and be careful not to police other people should they decide that they don't want to code switch. Because you know that you get that person in the workplace that will laugh loud as fuck, come in with the longest nails, they'll do whatever they like, and you look at them and you're like, oh, babe. (laughs) No, babe, live your best fucking life. If that's what you want to do, do it. I support you in doing it because obviously I haven't reached that level of like, don't give a fuck yet. So if you're, but if you're doing that, I support you. Go all the way through. And if anyone wants to come to you and be like, oh, did you see Sharice's nails? Yeah, and? <laughs> what? Because you're expecting me to support you because my nails... No, go away. I'm just. I'm not joining your bandwagon. Fuck off. So yeah, it's a very, very serious problem. And I'm, uh, I think it's Bell Hooks that talks about we end up operating um, in like a double consciousness. And so then when do you... When do you know which one you're actually in? A lot of people, when they start feeling depressed and um, start suffering from anxiety, especially under this in within this structure that we live in, is because they don't know which one they're doing anymore. Like they just don't know and when to take it off, when to put it back on. Because you're wearing one longer than the other. If you're working nine to five, you wake up, you get ready, you go. You don't want to block anyone's jaw on the tube, so you've already started from early. You know, like the, you've already started from early, and then you come home. Let's say about six. So then six to whatever time that you're back doing it again. So it's something that we we should do less of, but I understand that we need to do it while we're trying to get this coins. Yeah. Yeah. Something over there. Hi, Kalechi. Hiya. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. So it's quite a long-winded question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Wait. Anyways, um, so you, the gender pay gap mm-hmm. was a massive thing. Mm-hmm. And then ITN released the, uh, like, ethnicity pay, pay gap, mm-hmm. which they called BAME, mm-hmm. and the, which they, they didn't have to do mm-hmm. in comparison to the gender pay gap. Mm-hmm. 
And nobody really paid attention apart from black people and Asian people mm -hmm. or anyone else that's non-white. Mm -hmm. um, so it didn't kind of get the kind of um, push for equality, even though the gender pay gap happened. But I mean, no one's got a pay rise, so I don't understand mm -hmm. what they're doing with right. it. Um, so my question is, is that ultimately, I think the issue is that unless white people, whether they're affected by something, which the gender pay gap affected white women. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Unless they're affected by something, they don't care about any equality for anyone else. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, we have to keep pushing for equality for everyone. Mm -hmm. How are we going to do that when the power is, is the di dynamics are in one place and we ultimately, they don't give a shit. Yeah. Basically. Fine. I get that. Um, I feel like it's difficult because I feel like there are many ways for us to um, kind of approach it. But ultimately, I feel like whenever we get a chance as people, because I feel like a lot of people here are in the creative industries as well. Whenever we get a chance to highlight it, even when you drop it in in conversation, because that's what I like to do when they invite me onto platforms. I drop something else subversively because I'm going to use that to bounce off later on to talk about something else. So even if you invite me on to come and talk about, for instance, I, Tolani, are you here? No. So um, Tolani and I went on to BBC Woman's Hour and we were talking about breadwinners. And even in there, I was just like, yeah, because we have to address patriarchy and we have to address, you know, the mental health issues that men face when these pressures are put onto them. Because that's not what you asked me to talk about. But this is an important issue that isn't getting enough um, um, notice. So I'm going to slide it in into this conversation because it's still relevant. It's not like I brought it out of nowhere and I was like, the sky is blue. No, um, I brought it in. Um, and it's still fitting within the narrative of that conversation, but it means that someone else can note that it's, it was said. And so then we can spring off it and we could talk about other things. So whenever we have a chance to, whether it's a publication or whatever, we just need to start sliding these things in and being like, oh yeah, because you know, the gender pay gap, because it's worse for um, women, black women, um, or, and women, you know, non-white women, um, we should look at these things as well. Slide it in, keep sliding it in, keep sliding it in, because eventually you can't ignore that so many people have said it in, in other ways. Because they're not going to let us talk about it directly. They don't want us to come onto their mainstream platforms and talk about this so we have to talk about it in very subversive ways um because by fire and by force we will get our money and and this is why i always encourage if it's not too much stress because i know that um you know women have so much black women have so much going on women of color have so much going on already cool but if it's not too much stress to start creating other um um streams of revenue because we we are being forced to match up um, and meet that pay gap and close that pay gap we're doing extracurricular um and whatever we need to do by all means necessary we need to start closing in on it if they don't want to do it in the workplace because i i hope that eventually that thing that you're doing on the side becomes the main thing and then they can fuck off and they can keep their gaps to themselves <laughs> but yeah thanks How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, so my question, um, I've had a lot of conversations with other black women about this and it's to do with hair and the politics of hair. Mm -hmm. So I was just wondering, what are your thoughts on when non-black people have braids or dreadlocks and how do you approach conversations with them about it? 
depending on what your thoughts are. Mm. Um, before I used to be like annoyed by it. Then I just thought to myself, who gives a fuck? Because the more, like, there are so many other things for us to worry about. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that isn't serious because cultural appropriation is definitely a thing. But when we start minimizing it and getting into these little squabbles over things like hair, it means that we can't direct our energy to the bigger things that we need to be focusing on, like entire royalties being stolen from fucking people for their life work and things like that, you know, or um, a, a, a dead man's face being put on the Kardashians' t shirts. And then, oh my God, I didn't realize it'll be a problem um you know like um you know not to say that those are the biggest things but i'm just giving examples of the things that if i weren't talking about hair i would probably direct my um, energies towards because people can do what they like with their hair you know as much as it aggravates me you're the one that's ill at ease yeah because we know the pain that goes into doing these braids so if you if you now, because you want to do, I don't know, how Stella got her groove back or how Sally got her groove back, um, you now decide that you want to go and put them same braids in your head. That is your personal fucking problem because it's your head that's going to drop out. That's your. That's really up to you. Um, dread um, locks again. It takes so much effort for you to do the same thing that other people are able to do so easily. If you really want to put that effort into it, that's your time. Do what you want with your time because... Again, I always go back to what Toni Morrison said about distraction and racism being um, ultimately, it's just a distraction. We're squabbling with you about you can't do that. You can't do that. It's your fucking head. Do what you want. Because at the end of the day, it never looks the same. And if you now want to give it a new name in the mainstream and do what you want and yeah, you know, and charge loads to do it. That's you, man's problem. Like, we've got other things that we really need to be focusing on. But I definitely get it and I understand the frustrations of it. But honestly, I think that we're giving ourselves even more trauma by um, dwelling on it. Because I used to dwell on it for, for so long. And then I realized, you know what? They're not going to change. They're still going to do it. Um, and so if they're going to, let's focus on other things that we can actually impact. Yeah. Hi, Kalechi. Hi. Congratulations on the good um, live show. Thank you. <laughs> um, I just wanted to touch on um, mental health. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I see a therapist, mm -hmm. and at the moment it's going really, really bad because he's, <laughs> he's like a straight white man and I'm a, and I'm a queer black man. So like, de talking to him about certain issues and problems, he's just not really getting it. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to ask you what advice you would have for people that are in kind of like the situation and want to get access to um, actual black people that are yeah. specialised in therapy. I um, thank you, Dimitri. Um, I feel like uh, if someone could, I, I know someone was working on an app before um, to um, get black therapists all on one app, and so you'd know where they were um, all were. But I don't know if they carried on with that app or if they just let it go. Um, but Things like that are important because we need to know where they are. I've been blessed to only have like one um, non-black therapist. And I knew straight away that I was like, this is not for me. Like, I just didn't like her vibe. Not because of her color. No, it was just that we just didn't vibe. You know, I'll talk about something and she would just be like, uh -huh. it was so lackluster. It was, it was awkward. I hated it. And then when I had my first black therapist, um, Sarah Gole, and 
I was able to just say things and I wouldn't have to think like, oh, now I need to explain to you what I meant. I could just talk because, but then that's not to say that all black people are going to understand what we're saying, but I'm hoping that there'll be some understanding, some where we're able to meet each other. And if anything, just hold space for each other um, as someone that, that we feel that we can you know, relates to, but Sarah was amazing. She was wonderful and she would challenge me and stuff. And yeah, she was just really, really great. And that's when I actually started feeling the benefits of therapy because I didn't, I wasn't scared of like really voicing my thoughts. Um, then I had um, another lady after that. She was incredible because she did not behave like any therapist I've ever seen or heard of. Like I would be telling her something and she'd be like, wow. I'm angry I'm angry for you I said yeah and she was like Ugh, this is the kind of thing that stresses me out I'm like it's my session <laughs> but um, she was wonderful because of all of that energy and then I think that I found a beautiful middle ground in the lady that I'm with now Emma sick absolutely sick like she's got enough of the, like the very kind of quiet almost regal laid back um uh kind of dynamic and then when things are we can still laugh and we can still run jokes and i appreciate her greatly um and she's someone that will like i said before on the podcast she'll call me out on my bullshit and i know she's calling me out because she needs me to hear what i just said and i don't think that i would have that level of comfort if it was like a white straight man saying those things even if there was any sort of validity in what he was saying I would just who 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 are you talking to so so um it's I think the best thing we can do in terms of finding other um um therapists and finding black therapists and things like that is to probably speak to people who do who are open about having therapy and seeing if they can recommend and if that um therapist isn't available is too far they hopefully will know another one that's closer and then that way we can start building a network because for me by myself I know three and so whenever people message me and ask I've got three to reference um and so they can always send to other people but I think we should definitely create some kind of I don't know google docs or something where we will know where these black therapists are because then you can start actually going off whether you like the individual therapist because you've got choice so I think that yeah I hope that that helps Thanks. Um, hi. Hello. Hi. Good to see you. <laughs> um, so back to the code switching. I lived the double F. Mm. And then when I, you know, stopped doing that, uh, lost my job. So mm. I'm mm. currently in debates with them in court. Yay. Oh. Um, but I'm just saying, I think my question is, obviously, when you make that switch, and all I did was sit quietly at my desk. So oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, so that's angry black women to wow. just sit and do my job. Cool, cool. Yeah. I don't want to talk about who slept with who this week. Yeah. But let me just do my job. Yeah. But no. So um, I think my question, I guess, I mean, it's a hard question to answer. But is, is there a right way to do it? I mean, right now, I run my own business. Mm. So then I'm not working for anyone. Mm. So that was a fast track away. Yes, <laughs> so I haven't been in work since February because mm. I just do my own business Good. but is there a right way do you think to navigate yeah to navigate that to do that in the workspace so I feel that there is no right way because um whatever you do the moment that it looks like um resistance to the norm that has been set in the workplace you have become an outlier. You've become someone that they're gonna they're gonna have a problem with you. Like you said, all you did was sit quietly, and that was enough because you weren't willing to com- like 
participate in the rituals that were already set in that place. And I always say that from when I, when I think about it deeply, I don't know, from like an anthropological perspective, we all have rituals and we all have things, right? But when we um, really examine whiteness, there are so many rituals at play and without realizing it, you can um, kind of laugh in the face of them or push them to the side. And that is deeply offensive, but nobody will ever tell you. It just means that now they've kind of drawn a line under you that you're not acceptable. And if everyone wants to talk about who slept with whom and you said no, that's disrespectful because you've almost said that what they're doing is below you or it's beneath you, which it is fine, but which it is, but they don't want to hear that because no, we're above you. What do you mean? And so they have to now switch back that power dynamic again. So I don't think that there's a right way to do it. I think pretty much all you can do really in your head is be like, suck your mum, suck your mum, suck your mum. <laughs> what was that, Sarah? Sure, I'll get onto that right away. Suck your mum, pussy clot. <laughs> and keep it moving because anything else that you do other than smiling, and even when you smile, even when you're the smiliest person, there's still a problem. There's still a problem. So there's no right way to do it while you're still in your skin, basically. But the most we can do is just navigate and be and and think ahead, like really think far ahead, um, knowing how sensitive people are, just planning in case of incasity for them to really show that sensitivity. That's probably it. Hi. Hi. Um, my question is, how do you find the balance of keeping your energy for all the things that are close to your heart and also keeping your inner peace? Because personally, the more I speak up on things quite close to my heart, the more it physically, mentally, spiritually drains me. So how do you find the balance of speaking out and also um, recognizing, OK, I'm tired for this moment and um, stepping back? I don't... <laughs> No, I feel like and it's, it's, it's important to be honest about things. I oscillate. So um, I put all of this energy in and be like, oh, whoa, this is fucking me up. And then I'll have to go the other way. And this is why for me personally, and someone actually pulled, they didn't pull me up, but they were talking about it on the internet the other day that we should be careful. All of the people do, that are privileged enough to go to therapy to not refer to it so much. That's what they said. And I'm just trying to take it on board. I don't know how much I'll do of it. But because other people don't have ready access to therapy. Um, and so it's about suggesting other means um, of dealing with these things. But for me personally, what's been of most help to me, first of all, tarot cards, because if anything calls me out on my bullshit, it's the tarot cards like go to sleep. I remember I tried to do a reading the other night and I was like reshuffling and it, four of sorts, go to sleep go away, go away. And so I had to leave it and understand I wasn't going to get anything done. And also therapy, because um, I walked into my therapy session after all like the fuckeries online and I sat down and my therapist was like, how do you feel? And I was like, I want to rock everybody's jaw. Like I'll punch up everybody in this fucking place. And she's like, okay, tell me more about that. <laughs> and I was telling her about it and she was just, you know, very calm and saying, but you know that now you're even more visible and that comes with a lot of stuff and you're saying things that unsettle people and sometimes they even unsettle me but I can't not say them because I know that they're there um so she says you're saying things that unsettle people so there's going to be people who are kind of you know lashing back at that what you have to remember is that 
for a lot of them, this is not real. You're not a real person. You're just a, you, you stand, you represent something and it's that thing that they're um, lashing back at. So for that reason, don't feel guilty for stepping back because it's not you that they're talking to. So you can just step back and leave it and go and rest. Um, give yourself time to process things and rest. And rest for me is one of my biggest challenges. I talked about it on a podcast, showing compassion to myself. And I know that the major compassion that I need to show to myself is um, good time to rest but I get this feeling like oh my god I'm not being proactive enough as if I don't understand that part of being active is also resting um so I think that when you realize that it's going too much of the other way you've really got to rein it in so I have days and people probably don't even realize I have days when I just delete social media off my phone. I, and I have to delete it because, you know, habitually you just press it. So I just delete it. I can't just turn off notifications. I need it off my phone and I go and do other things, get on with other things. And when I'm ready again, I come back. But if you don't do it, it's what I was saying about this 10 of swords energy. Those You'll be exhausted and don't, those knives will be in your back and you will not get up to fight another battle. And we have to be so, so careful as black women about our mental health, especially since mental health charities who are meant to be recording all this fucking data about how we're coming into the system don't record a fucking thing. They can't tell you how many black people are actually um, receiving or are in the mental health system or getting... Um, help for all of these things. They can't tell you because they don't care. So I don't want to now find that um, I do all of this, do all of this. People still hate my guts and actually I'm fucked up and I can't do anything else. So um, when you realize, I feel like that you're going one way, try and rein it back and just go the other way. If you're going to go hard there, then go home and rest. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Oh, Hi guys. Sorry. Oh. Hi, Kalechi. Uh, How hi. are you? <laughs> um, afternoon, everybody. So this is a random, real random question, and I don't mean to offend anybody in the room. Mm. If you take offense, well, that's on you. If you take it personally, <laughs> I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to ask, right? Mm -hmm. um, do you think mixed race people are black? And I'll tell you why, mm -hmm. right? Three things. So you mentioned that a lot of us are creative industry. Just um, finding it strange that with castings, they'll be like, we want black people, mm. but then they choose mixed race people. Mm. Also with us black people. So I'm, uh, there's myself and my sister. She's the, I was Caribbean raised. She's British raised. Mm -hmm. And hearing her speak sometimes, I'm like, she sounds a bit lost. Cause she would be like, yeah, my friends, my friends bear paying that. Cause she got green eyes and I'm like, I don't really get it. And then she'd be like, her hair's bare nice and that because it, it's, it's curly. It's not like ours. Like ours is a bit weird and it like doesn't curl how we want it to. And I'm just like, cool. And then thirdly, I had a friend in university when I first came. She was half Jamaican. Mm. Now she failed to realize at the time. And I told her, so we weren't really friends after this, but she was just like, oh, I don't like my Jamaican daddy because he left my mom. I feel like a lot of mixed race people fail to realize that their moms, just like other women, didn't think before having a kid, they just were kind of rushing into getting the, the black jeans or whatever. So it wow. shouldn't be that. No, I'm, as I said, I ain't trying to offend nobody, but y'all need to know. So, because we have a, if you come to Trinidad and Tobago, we have a service, rent a dread. Like you rent a dread, like you literally see these Scandinavian women and all of the European women with their little mixed race babies running around in the sand and these dirty looking Rastaman, like, you know what I mean? 
but that's what that's their fantasy so i'm just saying she she said she hated her dad so she didn't like her black side but we go in a rave two two dancers start playing she's blacking and me she's like like you know i'm just like but you just said and then she puts the people to the t so i'm like but really i'm mixed race people black because i feel like black people like to claim everything but are they really claiming us like you know what i mean that's all i'm saying as i said i didn't mean to offend i heard somebody go in the front there honestly didn't mean to offend you okay thanks okay so i think that first things first and this is I've really like been soul searching and doing lots on um, mixed race people are whatever they say they are. That is not my fucking business. And for me to, I, I understand because a definite frustration of mine definitely is the um, acting industry. They will put on there that, yes, we'd like um, um, a black woman. So you're hoping that that gives you a fair chance as well. And actually, no, no, no. What they meant is that they want this woman that fits more into what they deem as beautiful and um, acceptable. Um, so that's, really really draining but I had to really think about it a lot and the more um women of mixed um you know mixed heritage and mixed race that I've 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 come across I've realized that it's not for any of us to say who they are because that's part of the problem everybody is giving their own view about I think you're this and I think you're that when we're the rest of us to a certain degree are allowed to decide on who we are nobody's telling us really what they are telling us that you're black black see black monkey but um but you know the the um they aren't um they aren't allowed they aren't afforded that space to explore who they are um and i think that we just no matter how jarring you might find it sometimes just we need to just shut the fuck up and let other people work it out for themselves um as to how they identify um, obviously the one drop rule is problematic as fuck and that's where a lot of this is rooted and that's what I have a problem with in that why do um, mixed race people not have as equal access to whiteness as it were because these are constructs right why do they not have um, equal access to the powers and things that are in whiteness and why are they just instantly like oh no no you're black you get to that side because you've been tainted in and that is I think that that's another discussion that isn't about the identities of um, mixed race people I, I, I think that it's unfair for us to even debate it if we're not if it doesn't if it's not involving us um and it's something that I thought about um having um a white partner that yeah were I to have a child what you know how does this child exist and what you know what environment and things like that those are the things that are important to me labeling them as this or that no I don't have time because wherever they go, someone's going to tell them something different about themselves anyway. And, and I think that that's the harshest thing that we haven't, a lot of us haven't lived that experience. Um, and we're going to tell them who they are. And that's a bit long. Well, I hope that helps. Mm. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, so I've got, um, I wanted to address something that Dimitri said earlier. And then I've got Dimitri, sorry. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Um, and then I've got a question as well. Um, so if you are looking for a non-white therapist, there's a network called the Black, African and Asian Therapist Network. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so I can tweet that to you, Kalechi, and then you can uh, retweet. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. And then also um, some of the therapists do like low-cost schemes as well. So it doesn't matter if you're not earning or anything, you can come to an agreement. And then there's also the um, Gestalt um, Centre in King's Cross as well. Yeah. They've also got a low-cost therapy scheme. So, uh, yeah, I can send Thank that to you. you. Yeah. Perfect. Um, my question yes. is, um, since you've become more outspoken on social media, have you found that... Um, <laughs> 
Um, I can't imagine a time you never were, actually. <laughs> but um, have you um, come across people who know you in real life who start to see you as the person that you are online as opposed to who they know you are offline? Because I get that quite a lot. That's interesting for me. I think, I don't know, I feel like my kind of presence on social media is weird because I think that what people don't realise is that I'm the same person offline. And I think that I'm actually... <laughs> Um, and um, I think that I might be worse in life because there are some things that I would never I don't think people understand the amount of drafted tweets that I have that I just feel like (laughs) Kelechi burn the world down tweet it and I'm like no not today like you know when you have the um, um, Kermit the frog talking to himself it's like send it do it (laughs) I'm like, no, let me not. So I'm actually, I feel like I'm much more um, vocal about things in real life because I don't have to stop sending everything through filters before saying it. So people who are closest to me actually think I'm rather mild online because I'll be in WhatsApp while I'll be writing a thread or there'll be, people will be interacting with a thread and they'll be sending me WhatsApp messages like, wow, you really toned that down. I was like, yeah, because what I wanted to say was. Um, so yeah, I think that that's what's helped me be online and I guess build the platform because it's about consistency. And I say it all the time about being a dickhead in recovery because if I'm if I'm clear about the terms within which I exist on the internet, then we all know what we're getting. And so that's all there is to it. I'm not trying to be different. I'm not trying to be like, oh, wow, zen, zen, zen. I don't give a shit. Like if I come online and I want to fight, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and um so yeah, for my for my close friends, no, but there are people maybe who we've had a break and then they've now, like I stopped maybe speaking with them years ago and then now we've started speaking again and they've seen me online and they treated me in that way like, oh my God, you really enriched my soul today and things that I'm like, oh, fuck off. But, but just because like, they should know better because they, they know me and I would just expect that they didn't do that because the moment those things start happening from them, that means I can't actually say anything to them that I would want to, or share more about myself or my personal life because they're still seeing me from that lens. So yeah. Wrapping up. Oh. Hey, Kalechi, it's not really a question, okay. but I did want to address the gentleman over there as well. Mm. Um, I don't know if it'll help you, mm. but I went through therapy, I had the same thing. I had a white therapist. Mm. We could not get along. <laughs> um, but I also had a Chinese therapist, and we still did not get along. Yep. Um, what I found is I started talking to more people that we just had general conversations, may not be like my kind of people, everyday mm. people, mm. and they started building community. We'd first start with drinks at a coffee shop and eventually became a community. So I think mentorship is a really big thing. So obviously therapy is really expensive. You might not be afford it, but mentorship is a really good thing. So you probably have a lot of experiences that someone else will be experiencing as well. So just wanted to point that out as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Is that it? Oh, no, someone's waving very hard at the back. Wow. <laughs> that is a strong shoulder. <laughs> Hi, Kalechi. Hi. Hi. Um, so obviously you referenced like authors like Bell Hooks and Toni Morrison. Mm. I just wanted to ask you like what books did you read to gather all this knowledge and insight and just beautiful language to express yourself, you know, about race, about black womanhood? Because like I bought um, Why I Stopped Talking to White People About Race. Yeah, yeah. And I began to read it, mm-hmm. of course. 
Um, but I found that it was like I was reading a horror book because the reality, like finding out like the reality of what it is to be black. Like I'm 21. I'm only just realizing who I am, what yeah, this yeah, all yeah. means. Um, I found it really hard and really difficult. And I know that I need to do it, but it's like, oh my God, the world hates me. The world yeah. wants to kill me. How did you like get past that? And which books did you read that made you so amazing? Oh, thank you. Um, um, books, 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 books. It's, it's difficult because there were books, but for me, there were people. Um, so I think you can only, because what you, I feel like we want to avoid is being the kind of person that all they know is theory. And so they'll roll off the theory to you, but there's no praxis. There's nothing behind what they just said. So they can bang out all these tweets about women should do that. But then in person, they don't have the range. Um, and so I, <laughs> so I think that um, what I would recommend um, when I, if, if I'm ever doing a talk or whatever and you see, I would say come to those things because as much as the books are important and, I, and I'm trying as much as possible to... Um, post more books that I've read because it has been all of these kind of people like Audrey Lord and Zora Neale Hurston a lot and I always mention American authors and it fucks me up because I do know um, British um, black British feminists as well who have written amazing things so I recommend those as well as much as the books are important you will find a lot of that in those books as well where you're just like oh, nobody loves me but um, the books are there for the theory but in terms of that joy um, that confidence it comes from meeting other women um, and meeting other people who believe in what you believe. And I think I had a great head start because when I was getting into all of this, there used to be the Black Femmes group. Wasn't that, um, Adonis, she's wow. here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that helps me because we meet at Waterstones and then, you know, speak about things and um, so meeting other women and making friends from there helped me a lot because I knew that in my day-to-day -day life, they were still there because once you close that book, you've closed it and things are in here, but you need things to be in here. And so that you can talk without your voice shaking because you know that there are other women that back you regardless. Um, so as much as I can, I'll recommend places and, and people. And that's really why I do share your magnificence as well. Because for me, if we can start following and linking with these people who are doing these things, who um, share our views and the things that we love and our pain, we build a stronger community together and we learn from each other because even all of these books, I can recommend all the books in the world, but at the end of the day, Bell Hooks is now moving mad being friends with Emma Watson. So, so, so books will only get us so far, but as much as I can, I will make sure I recommend people and things. Thank you. Oh, one more. Sorry. Hi. 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 <laughs> um, so just one more thing, yeah. just in response to what you were saying. Mm -hmm. So Rennie Edo Lodge, who wrote that book, try she stopped now just because of the energy it's taken to respond to that book. So she's not really doing a lot of appearances at the moment. But if you do get a chance to see her, come out and see her talk and mm -hmm. listen to what she has to say. Because I think I really, honestly, when you said what you said, it hit me in my heart. Um, and that was revealing my age about yeah. 20 years ago that's about a similar feeling mm. that I had and sitting around when we had the black feminist group as well mm. we all shared that that was our community yeah. and that was the thing that brought us together 
there is so much love and hope out here for you. Yeah, That's yeah. what I want to tell you and yeah. let you know. And we all in here, we all love you too. Exactly. All right. Um, so and guys, that is the end of this. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful people. So what I'd like you to do is that um, there are straws. Some of you would have found straws. Yeah. I want you to put that in the most imaginative places possible on your way home. Not on yourselves, no. No, I mean, <laughs> imaginative places you can find around London and just take a picture of where you've left it because I just want that moment where someone sees a straw and they turn it and go suck your mouth. So all of the places on the tube, wherever, just pop it somewhere and let someone discover it and be like, oh my God. I just saw this straw. Or if you just want to keep yours because you don't want to share it, that's fine. Just keep it and keep... But thank you so, so much for coming through today and being so wonderful. And I appreciate all of the support so, so, so much. Especially on a week like this, this was the best ending to my week ever. So thank you. Um, so... In terms of future things, um, I look forward to presenting the affirmation cards to you when they arrive in October. I look forward to maybe doing a, um, a goodbye show in December. So I hope to have a, a bigger venue, hopefully by then, by God's grace. Um, and um, thank you so much to Brent, baby boy, just amazing. He does everything and tells me to stop using my phone by the microphone. Um, and thank you, Marchin. So thank you, Crystal, for being an amazing host. And thank you, Jenny Love, Jenny Babe. Where's Jenny? She's disappeared. But Jenny is just amazing because she, she teaches at the studio and she just gives me such life and she supports me in literally every aspect of everything. And I appreciate her so greatly. So Jenny's a baby girl. Um, and as for me, I have been Kelechi Okafor. And this has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind. Unofficially known as what, what? Sign Yes! Peace! <laughs> Thank you all. Should you want to get drinks and everything, feel free to get some drinks and I'll be joining you shortly when I put on sensible shoes.